This morning, um, it's kind of a serious psalm we'll be looking at, Psalm 22. Um, But I just wondered how many times you get a chance just to ponder certain questions. You sit, and sometimes I'll sit and look out of my backyard, and it's like wooded, and I watch the squirrels, and I'll think about God. I'll think about where I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to do. And then usually something hits me, why is there so much hunger? Um, The debate on abortion. Um, Things that really just kind of upset the church today. Things that go totally against God. And today, in Psalm 20, in Psalm 2, the psalmist asked a question. And the question he's asked is, why do the nations rage? Why do the nations rage? And my mother tells me, told me the story. She's gone to be with Jesus probably 10, 11 years now. Um, But she used to tell the story of the 13 days in October. Now, who here knows what I'm talking about when I say 13 days in October? See, one hand, a few. Well, in October 1962, a U.S. spy plane was taking reconnaissance photos over Cuba. And they found uh, that Russia was building missile silos for ICBMs, long-range, short-range missiles, nuclear missiles. And this was 90 miles off a U.S. shore. The thought of having nuclear missiles 90 miles off the shore of America was a pretty scary proposition back then. Um, My mom, of course, the president had kept it uh, quiet for a few days, but uh, basically the U.S. put a blockade with battleships and destroyers and um, aircraft carriers all around Cuba, blocking anything going in or out of Cuba. And there was a convoy of Russian ships, Soviet ships coming. And there was going to be a face-off between these two superpowers. Now, some of you a lot younger than me, maybe you could compare this to 9-11. When I speak of 9-11, you probably know what I'm talking about. There's something about when the world goes crazy, it's scary. Uh, a few years ago, we had um, the flood from the tsunami that uh, went into uh, India, killed 200 and 200, over 200,000 people. And that was kind of scary to think about that. But there's something about it when it comes to our soil here in the United States. It gets real. And it gets real really fast. And my mom told me about how her and her friends, they were housewives. Uh, They all had little children. At that time, I was about 11 months old. I had three older sisters, and my dad always worked second shift. And he wouldn't be home in the evening. And she'd tell me that when they'd see a jet, yes, there were jets back then, kids, when I was born. 
when she would see a jet fly over and hear the engines and see the lights, it struck fear in their heart. Could this be a missile from Cuba? And I looked it up and I looked at some of the stuff on Google and it showed uh, different headlines of where just from Cuba they could reach Miami, they could reach Washington DC, they could reach Dallas, they could reach Denver, and they could reach New York City and also Chicago. So it's not hard to imagine how they felt back then. Is this going to be the end? Are we going to have all-out nuclear war? Has the world gone crazy? And this is kind of, I think, what the psalmist is talking about. Why do the nations rage? Now, of course, he's not talking about ICBMs or uh, the Soviet Union or the U.S., but it's about that fear, that fear. Here's some of the headlines. U.S. begins blockade of Cuba. Grim warning issued to Russia. U.S.-Soviet sea showdown awaits. Russia says blockade step to nuclear is a step to nuclear war. Walter Conkright, some of you may remember him, would report impending doom every night on the evening news. Like I said, there was a fear back then. Then finally, on October 28th, I'm going to read this article from the New York Times, October 28th, 1962. World relieved as Cuban Missile Crisis ends. The world has breathed a sigh of relief after the superpowers reached an agreement ending the immediate threat of nuclear war. Russian leader Nikita Khrushchev has agreed to dismantle all Russian missiles based in Cuba and ship them back to the Soviet Union. The announcement was made in a public message to President John F. Kennedy that was broadcast on Moscow radio. In response, President Kennedy said his decision to remove the Cuban missiles was an important contribution to peace. And it goes on to talk about the agreements that they had. But in this world, since Cain and Abel, there's been strife, there's been chaos, there's been fear. And we as Christians, we who follow Jesus, what should be our um, reaction to that? That's what we're going to look at today. Let's look at that. Oh, before I start that, a little background on the Psalms. This Psalms is a um, coronation psalm. It was used when kings were coronated, um, probably with David, Solomon, but it also was called a messianic psalm. Earl, I don't remember all the different psalms, forgive me. But this is a messianic psalm. And as I studied this, I was surprised. I knew that um, Isaiah had a lot of... Um, prophecies about Christ. I knew there were all kinds of other things about Christ in Genesis, even Ezekiel. But did you know that most prophecies about Christ came from Psalms? I didn't know that. And just to uh, study that, 
Psalms, sorry, uh, Psalms, Messianic, talked about the personhood of the Messiah. He's the son of God. He's the son of man. He's the son of David. The Messiah would hold office, prophet, high priest, king, and deliverer. Other aspects of the Messiah's life and ministry. Just a note here. People talk about there's no God. Uh, the Bible's just some fairy tale. Listen to these prophecies that were made about Christ in the Psalms. He'll speak in parables. He'll calm the storm. He'll be despised. He'll be rejected and mocked. He'll be whipped. He'll be pierced, thirsty. He'll be given wine with gall. Lots will be cast for his garments. It's pretty specific. Not a bone will be broken. People will sing Hosanna to him. He'll rise from the dead. He'll ascend into heaven. He'll sit at the right hand of God. He will reign eternally. And one day, he would come back and judge the nations. If you got your Bibles, turn to Psalm 2. And before we get there, I just wanted to, uh, while you're looking for that, just read one of these passages from Psalm 22. Psalm 22, 1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Does that sound familiar? Is that in one of the Gospels? 6 and 7, But I am a worm, not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me, and they wag their heads. 16, For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and my clothing they cast lots for. Very specific, very specific. So let's look at Psalm 2. The Psalm, I've got it divided into four different sections. First section, let's just read the whole Psalm. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord against his anointed, saying, Let us burst our bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs, and the Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, You are my son today, I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. And you shall break them with a rod of iron, and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. And that last sentence there, we have the answer to this question. When everything's in chaos, that's our answer for those who follow Christ. That's 
the answer for those who pick up the cross daily. We need to take refuge in Christ. Let's look at the first three verses. It talks about man's rebellion against God. Man wants to be free of the bonds of God. Many of you know people, and I've known these people. I've worked in trailer factories most of my adult life, and some people make good decisions, some people make bad decisions. And it seems the ones who make the bad decisions, who are having a rough time in life, they're the ones that don't want anyone to tell them what to do. I have some children like that. But they, they've grown up to be pretty good boys. But it always seems the ones who are downhearted, who uh, don't know where they're going to get their next dime, who make bad relationship decisions, are the ones that, well, you better not tell me what to do. And that's kind of what these kings are saying here. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together. Let us burst our bonds apart and cast away the cords from us. Their cords, God and his chosen one, his Messiah. They don't want to be told what to do. Today we see that. It's so obvious. Today God said in Genesis 1.27 that God made them in his image. Man and what? Male and female. God made male and female. Man says, and this is a true thing, you can check it out. In Facebook, you know how you do your little uh, profile. On your profile now, it'll ask gender, male, female, or custom. And according to the ABC News, in 2018, there were 58 genders. According to the latest I could find, the uh, Canadian LBGT webpage, there are 119 genders. So who's right? Is God right? Is there male and female? Or is man right? Well, most men think they're right. And they want to break off these bonds. In Proverbs 22.6, the Lord said, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. But man says, Richard Dawkins, he's a famous atheist, speaks out against Christians and people of faith, and basically thinks we're all ignorant because we believe there's a God, a creator in heaven. In his book, The God Delusion, I'll quote him, faith can be very, very dangerous, and deliberately to implant it into the vulnerable mind of an innocent child is a grievous wrong. We can add a lot of others to these. But this rebellion, yes, we're born with a rebellion because of Adam, sin came into the world. That's because they rebelled against God's word. But there was someone there kind of poking, prodding them to do that. God said to Eve, I'm sorry, Satan said to Eve, did God really say you can't eat? of the fruit of the trees. Because God knows as soon as you eat this, your eyes are going to be open. You'll be able to tell right from wrong. You will be a God. You'll be just like God. 
Have you heard that in our society today? I think Oprah says some stuff like that. We can be gods. I've heard some preachers actually preach that. We can be little gods. The truth is, God says, he is the only God. There's none before him. There's none after him. There's only one God. But in our society, man says, you can be a God. Satan's not satisfied just rebelling himself. Satan wants to take everybody with him. He took one-third of the angels with him. And these angels were people who's people. <laughs> these angels saw God. They knew God was real. But Satan still was able to convince them to rebel against God. In Isaiah 14, I want to read that for you. It talks about Satan. Isaiah 14, we'll start at verse 12. How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn, how you are cut down to the ground. You laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high but you are brought down to Sheol, to the far reaches of the pit. Those who see you will stare at you and ponder, is this the man who made the earth tremble? Satan has his day coming, his day of judgment. And the world does, all those who rebel against God. I often heard it said that there's a theme song in hell. You know what the theme song of hell is? I did it my way. My way. And I believe that's what this psalm is all about. Are we going to go through life and do things my way? I don't want to hear anything from God. I don't want to hear anything from a parent who loves me, who's trying to guide me in the right direction. I don't want to hear anything from a loving friend, a pastor, who's trying to get me on the right track. No, I want to do it my way. I know what's better. I'm smarter than God. I know more than God. I did it my way. Section 2, verses 4 and 5. He sits in the heavens and laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I've set my king on Zion, my holy hill. God, and I've heard Pastor Joel say this many times, the things that we deal with today, it may not be a nuclear holocaust. It may not be planes going into buildings. Maybe it's a phone call, a child who's wayward, a medical condition. But something in all of our lives is going to cause chaos one day. Something is going to make us wonder something is going to make us look for hope and answers. And I see some of you out there, and you've battled these things, and you've had great faith in the Lord. Praise God for that. You are an example to the rest of us, those who trust in the Lord. But in Ezekiel, it, says, oh, it also says, God laughs. He doesn't stand up. He's not worried about it. He sits on his throne. 
He's not even concerned enough about man's plans. As powerful as the U.S. is, as powerful as China and the once Soviet Union was, God is not concerned. He's not worried about their power. But he laughs. And I don't think it's a laugh to make fun, but it's more of when your little four-year-old is going, I can jump off the house, or I can do this or that. We know it's nothing that they can do about it. In Ezekiel 33:11, the Lord says, As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but prefer that the wicked change his behavior and live. Friends, the day of the Lord is coming. Every day, it's closer. Every day, we walk one step closer to the day of the Lord. And I know many of you have a great relationship with the Lord. I know many of you here today have put your trust in him. I know many of you make much of Jesus. But if there's someone here today, I would just ask you to consider to begin to trust in the Lord. The alternative is not good, my friends. The alternative for Satan is not going to be good. The people look say, is this the man who did all these things? Section 3, 6 through 9. Sorry, 7 through 9. I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, you're my son. Today I've begotten you. Ask of me and I'll make the nations your heritage and the ends of your, the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them into pieces like a potter's vessel. In Genesis, when Adam and Eve sinned, God already had a plan. He talks about it in Genesis 3, that man, you may bruise his hill, but there's one coming that'll crush your head. There's one that's coming that will crush the head of Satan, who will crush the head of death, who will crush the head of judgment. And his name is Jesus. And today, today, he sits at the right hand of the Father. And today, he controls these things. He's not excited about all this. And today, he doesn't want to see rebellious people fall, but he wants them to turn. Today, if that's you, Jesus wants you to turn to him. Jesus wants you to trust him. Jesus wants you to be wise. In section 2.10 and 2.12 are the warnings of the king of the earth. We used to have a, uh, oh, the words up here. What do they call that? A word diagram? Remember? Yeah. But I thought about that when I was writing this. Up there it said, be, be all these different things. But in the last section, now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. All the verbs there, be wise, be warned, be blessed. Serve the Lord. Kiss the Son. Take refuge.
take refuge in the Messiah. In conclusion, Satan is the leader of this rebellion. Satan hates God. He says he roars, he walks around like a roaring lion, seeking those he can devour. He wants to take you with him. Satan hates God. He hates God's children. That's why we have death and chaos, because sin came into this world. He's the father of lies. In history, we see where Satan influenced people to make really bad decisions. Pharaoh killed all the Jewish boys trying to get to Moses. Herod killed all two-year-old boys, Jewish boys, two years old and younger, trying to get to Jesus. Jesus was crucified. Nero, in the early church, he used to hang people, cover them in tar, light them on fire, Christians, just to light the streets of Rome. Nero used to feed Christians to the lions. It was a big sport. Satan hates Christians. In Matthew 10, 21... Jesus is talking. And he says, Brother will deliver brother over to death, and father his child. And children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures the end will be saved. You will be hated by all for my name's sake. We don't see it today. We live in America. There's a lot of freedom yet. We don't see the persecution like they see in other countries uh, where it costs you life or jail time to call out the name Jesus. But I believe it's coming one day. It's coming. It may not be in my lifetime. It may be in my grandchildren's lifetime or my children's lifetime, but it's coming. And if we haven't experienced it, get ready. John 16, 2 and 3. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. Friends, every radical Muslim who beheads a Christian believes that. He believes that he's doing God a service. We have a formidable enemy. His name is Satan. He wants to take everybody he can with him. He came to kill and destroy, to cause chaos. But if we look at the chaos in Psalm 2, and we can just read the last verse, trust, blessed are all who take refuge in him. If we follow Jesus, we pick up our cross. What is our reaction to these things? To the LBGT, to the um, atheists who make fun of us. What did Jesus tell us? Jesus said we're called to love God, love our friends, our neighbors, and to even love our enemies. Today, will you join the Son? Today, will you begin to trust in the Lord? 
if you haven't already. Today, when chaos surrounds us, can you trust in the Lord? My friend, that is my hope for each person here, that you could learn to trust in Jesus because he is something to make a lot of about. Others will seek answers and hope in a bank account, in a job, political party, a stockpile of weapons, an education, a government, a leader. But will you today find hope? Will you find purpose? Will you find love and security? Will you find faith in the Son? That's my prayer for all of us today, that we will all be blessed because we take refuge in him. And for those who do know him, when this does come, this persecution, these bad things in our life, whether it's just to us or throughout the country, how can the world see that Jesus is alive? How can the world see that Jesus is fulfilling and satisfying? How can the world see that there's joy even in sorrow and despair, that there's hope even when we're persecuted, that there's purpose when it seems like there's no future whatsoever. How can the world see that if we put our faith in something other than in Jesus? I'd like to pray now, if you'd join me. Father God, I just pray that your spirit would talk to anyone who doesn't put their faith in you. That today would be the day that they turn a lot round, that they repent, that they come to the Lord. Father God, thank you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross of Jesus. Thank you for our cross. That through that cross, we can daily pick it up and show people a better way. Show people that we have hope and faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Be with us, Lord. Help us to take refuge in you, Lord. Help us to remember who you are. And we ask in the precious, precious name of Jesus. Amen.